But you should know that Olivia Wilde is back in the news because her former nanny is going off the rails and is also saying that in a fight, Jason Sudeikis laid under Olivia Wilde's car because she gave Harry Styles her salad dressing recipe. What? And that is not an Onion article. That is a real thing. (laughs) I thought that Jason was way more chill than that, too. I did too, Mr. Ted Lasso. Come on. Welcome to Talking Underwater. One water, one podcast. I'm Bob Crossan, Senior Managing Editor of Water and Waste Digest. And I'm Katie Johns, Managing Editor of Stormwater Solutions. And in this month's episode of Talking Underwater, we touch on funding for water storage and conveyance projects in the U.S. West, and we share a PFAS regulation update from Radhika Fox, the Assistant Administrator for the EPA Office of Water. Finally, our interview this month is with Maura Jarvis. She is the Assistant Manager for the Public Outreach Team for Philadelphia Water Department, and also is this year's Rising One Water Leader. But first, let's talk about some news. Yeah, thank you. So earlier this month, the U.S. Department of the Interior announced $210 million in funding from the bipartisan infrastructure law that aims to bring clean, reliable drinking water to communities across the West through water storage and conveyance projects. The department's press release said, quote, the projects are expected to develop over 1.7 million acre feet of additional water storage capacity, which is enough water to support 6.8 million people for a year. The funding will also invest in two feasibility studies that could advance water storage capacity further once completed, end quote. Currently, these projects will take place in Arizona, California, Colorado, Montana, and Washington, um, and we will link the press release uh, in the show notes so you can all read the full details. Um, And speaking of PFAS, I did want to share some lighthearted news, um, a K through eight school in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, St. Mark's uh, Episcopal School has introduced C-Lab to its students. C-Lab is an on-campus engineered tidal pool built on the middle river that will allow students to learn and test solutions to address the global water and sustainability issues we face, a press release from the school said. C-Lab is a collaboration with the faculty from Nova Southeastern University, Hamels College of Arts and Sciences, and Guy Harvey Oceanographic Research Center, as well as faculty from the University of Miami Rosensteel School of Marine and Atmospheric Science. The school's press release said that the lab aims to bring awareness and solutions to sea level rise, water quality, marine habitats, hydroelectricity, and identification of microplastics, forever chemicals such as PFAS and other contaminants. Um, So it's always nice to hear of the younger generations getting some hands-on experience with this. So we just wanted to share some lighthearted news, Um, but Bob has some more PFAS information. Yeah, and before I get to that, I do want to note that on October 18th, President Joe Biden declared it the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act, which we all know is perhaps one of the most important acts in water regulation history. Prior to its adoption, pollution was pretty rampant, rivers ran in color, and of course we all know the infamous Cuyahoga River fire in 1969, which also wasn't the only fire on that river, by the way. Uh, There were celebrations marking the occasion on that day, so we wanted to highlight this landmark on the podcast as well. And in fact, I had the opportunity to sit down with Radhika Fox, Assistant Administrator for the Office of Water during WEFTEC 2022, and we talked about the Clean Water Act anniversary, along with some other issues, notably the matter of PFAS regulations for both drinking water and wastewater, and that's really what I wanted to talk about here. 
Late last month, the EPA announced that it had shared its drinking water PFAS regulations with the Office of Management and Budget. This is a critical step in getting the regulation approved and adopted and out for public comment. In my interview with Radhika Fox, she said that the rule is still in a deliberation phase, so she couldn't talk about specific numbers or anything like that, but she said it will result in a maximum contaminant level goal or an MCLG and an enforceable standard. She said that the numbers for the PFAS that will be regulated may differ similar to how the lead and copper rule has different points of measurement or for MCLGs for lead and for copper. And she said that the agency is also on target for this regulation to be open for public comment before the end of the year. So please stay tuned for more on that. Now, in that discussion, I also brought up the talking point of PFAS in wastewater. Um, we talked about the CERCLA hazardous waste designation before on the podcast, so I, I won't go too much into detail on there. But what Radhika Fox had to say about PFAS in wastewater is that there are effluent limitation guidelines that include some regulations on PFAS currently, and that the EPA is conducting a risk assessment right now on the impacts of PFAS in biosolids, particularly as it relates to human and public health. So there were no timelines that she could give on PFAS in wastewater regulations or biosolids regulations, as far as I know, but she said that it is on the agency's mind, and the communication that I got from talking with her was that they're very interested in speaking more and collaborating with people within the industry to understand this at an even more deeper level as they conduct this risk assessment. Now, a couple more things before I keep going, and I know I'm kind of going on a, on a tangent here, but um, tying this together, Veolia recently announced the groundbreaking of a thermal treatment facility that in, uh, I believe it's in Arkansas, and it provides and it could provide an outlet for PFAS laden wastes. I talked to Bob Capadonna, he's the president and CEO of Veolia North America's Environmental Solutions and Services Group, and he said this facility is planned to open in 2024 and it could be part of their long term PFAS destruction solution, but he stopped short of saying that it would actually be part of it because they're waiting on research and they're waiting on regulatory environment and all that type of thing. But the fact that they're breaking ground on a thermal treatment facility really piqued my interest as to how they're going to deal with PFAS in the future for being such a large company. Um, anyway, I highly encourage you go listen to or watch the interview with Radhika Fox. You can find it on our website. I also have an article about that Veolia facility on our website as well, which you can find there too. Just use our search bar. You can search for either Veolia or Radhika, and I'm sure that you will find either of those there. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's throw it to our interview with Mara Jarvis, the assistant manager for the public outreach team for the Philadelphia Water Department and also this year's rising One Water leader. She won this water prize at the U.S. Water Alliance One Water Summit earlier in September. And we talk all about that and her career. Hey everyone, it's Bob Crossan, Senior Managing Editor for Water and Waste Digest. I'm here with Maura Jarvis. She is the Assistant Manager of the Public Outreach Team for the Philadelphia Water Department. Boy, what a mouthful for me. Um, but also, she is the rising One Water Leader this year. And Maura, thank you so much for talking with me, and congratulations on that, uh, on that award. Thank you so much. It's really an honor to be here, so thank you. <laughs> so could you tell me a little bit about the work that you do, and how, I mean, how did you end up in this position, that you get this, this title? Yeah, it's a funny uh, story about how I got here. Um, a lot of people say that they uh, that water found them; they didn't find water, and I think that's very true. It is 
It is an interesting point about how people end up in this industry. I feel like, sort of a side note, I go back to my high school for career day every year and I talk about my job and absolutely nobody knows that like this is an industry that they can work in or civil service or anything like that. So it's kind of funny that way. We really need to do a better job about getting the youth in, you know, thinking that this is a job that they can do. But any, anyway, um, I got into it because I actually started as an intern okay. and I went to Drexel University. I graduated with a, an interdisciplinary degree called sustainable product development and something that Drexel University is known for is uh, their co-op program. And so co-op stands for cooperative education and it means that uh, work experience is embedded into our academic curriculum. So for three years, um, most students are there for five years, for three years um, we are on a schedule that alternates between six months of classes and six months of co-op. And so that means that um, for about a year and a half, you know, not consecutively, but for a year and a half, I was working out in the world, but as a student. And my last co-op was with the Philadelphia Water Department. And um, it was a really awesome experience because, again, I had no idea that that was even something that I could do. Working in public affairs uh, on a communications team, talking about environmental sustainability, for a utility. <laughs> it all just didn't make any sense. When I saw the listing online, I was like, there's no way a job this cool exists. And um, yeah, so I started working on, on the team that I'm employed with now, but um, I was an intern and um, I found out about this wonderful program called Green City Clean Waters. Um, and from there, you know, it just sort of took off. So they hired me right after I finished my co-op and now I, you know, for the past six years, I've been working with the Philadelphia Water Department on the public engagement team. I started out as, well, you know, an intern, but I moved up to community outreach specialist and most recently have been promoted to assistant manager of the team. And it's been, it's been an amazing ride. And I'm excited because the thing that I've been really passionate about for, you know, a long chunk of time since I was in school is how are we communicating uh, technical aspects of sustainability to everyday people? Yeah. Or, you know, we're providing all of these core services. The, the water department, our water department is an integrated water utility. So we do stormwater, wastewater, and drinking water. And, you know, these are really big responsibilities uh, that we're taking care of for our residents and how are we communicating about that? Yeah. Are they understanding <laughs> everything that's encompassed in that bill that they get every month? Yeah. And that's in essence what we're doing um, on my team. And uh, it's something that I feel very passionately about, you know, making sure that people know where their money is going, making sure that they understand what our purpose is and where our passions are, which is to serve them. I'm, I'm very passionate about serving my community. I was born and raised in Philadelphia. I think it's just the most amazing thing that I get to talk to my neighbors, essentially, about sustainability programs and um, water, the essence of life, you know. It's, it's, it's just so cool. So I, I hope that that answered your question, but that's sort of how I got into it and essentially what I do now.
Well, tell tell me a little bit about you know One Water. Obviously, you're talking about this integration and everything. That's obviously got to be some type of passion for you now, being a rising One Water leader too. Okay, what does One Water mean to you? You know, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to your career? And what does it mean also to your community? Mm. One Water, uh, One Water means that to me, everything is connected. There isn't a single issue around water that doesn't touch some other area that, you know, other people may think is unrelated, but you know, if you're talking one water, and especially in Philadelphia, where we have so many systemic issues, historical injustices and things like that, it is, it is so important that when we're talking about something that's quote unquote a water issue, that we're taking into account all of these other factors. And so that's what One Water means to me. Um, and in a lot of the work that I do and some of the projects that they highlighted during the award ceremony is that we're, we're talking about all of that. You know, we're not just going into a community and saying, okay, well, you know, we're just doing this one infrastructure project and then we're gonna get out of here. You know, especially when you're talking about green infrastructure, this isn't something that just like goes underground and then you forget about it. This is something, this is a living, breathing system that's gonna be in somebody's neighborhood. They're gonna walk past it every day. You know, they're gonna drive their car past it. The school bus is gonna go by. The kids are gonna look at it, all of these things. You can't just say, oh, this is coming. There it is, goodbye. You know, there's a very robust process that is in place to make sure that people are embracing these technologies and this infrastructure and that they understand it, they know, you know, all of everything that goes into it, what a combined sewer overflow is, what, <laughs> what green infrastructure is, what, what they can call these green tools that are in their neighborhoods. Um, and so anyway. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's a place for the community to gather too, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, what's, what's your vision for the future of One Water? Um, you, you obviously are already on a path toward making one for Philadelphia. Could you talk a little bit about what you see just on a broader scale? Um, yeah, I think one thing that's extremely important to me, this is a big word right now, but I feel like I don't want it to lose its meaning, which is representation. Okay. And it's so important that people are able to see that they're reflected in the groups that are representing them or, or that are trying to speak to them or communicate with them. And for a long time, even at the water department or even at many city agencies, the higher up you go, the less people tend to look like me. And so, um, you know, I feel recently we've been making really great strides in that, but as far as one water, in a general sense around the country, I just hope that we are having leadership in our utilities and, and all of the organizations and everyone who's involved in this effort that represents the people that they're trying to reach. And in that sense, you know, you can really get to the essence of these one water challenges because if you're, if you're part of the community, if you represent the people that that you're, you know, in in this um, in this issue with, or that you're trying to solve a challenge with, then it's just sort of a no-brainer. <laughs> so I, I I feel 
very strongly that you know having representation of uh, the people that we're serving is extremely important in addressing one water challenges um, and also just more partnership and collaboration. I, I think One Water Summit is an amazing example of all these people coming together. Um, there are some conferences that are very technical heavy. And so you have a lot of engineers and scientists all talking together and then you have the other people on the <laughs> outskirts, you know. Um, and then there, I, I was fortunate enough to go to another conference that is solely just water communicators, which is really interesting, um, but we're all in a room talking and the stuff we're talking about the scientists and the engineers need to hear about yes you know so we're talking about one water everything is connected that means all of our work has to be connected we have to communicate with each other we have to collaborate or else we're all just working in silos and you know one water summit like i was saying is a really great example of how you bring all of these people together and we can really get to the root of some of these challenges and start working on solutions um, so yeah, I think that in essence is one water. Yeah, it may be one water, but it is varied and multiple perspectives that are required to <laughs> make that one water vision, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. And for everyone who's watching, definitely check out our video description below. We'll have some links to some one water resources as well as some things about Mora down there. So check that out. Thank you so much, Maura, for taking the time to speak with me at the One Water Summit in September. It was really great to get to know you a little bit better. I always love speaking with the Rising One Water leader on an annual basis because it's so great to hear that passion and to see that inspiration and be inspired myself. So I really appreciate you taking the time with us. And you'll notice at the end of that interview that I did call out a video description. This was recorded for video on WWD, so check out our website. We'll have that up sometime soon. But first things first, let's get to housekeeping. Katie, would you like to take it away? Yeah, so um, first for WQP, I will be attending NGWA's Groundwater Week in Las Vegas, December 6th through 8th. So if you will also be there, let me know and we can catch up. The WQP State of the Industry Survey is also open and uh, we would greatly appreciate your input. You can take the survey at bit.ly slash WQPSOTI22. Um, Bob, you want to do WWD? Yeah, I don't have too much to talk about this this month because I've talked about so much already in the in the rest <laughs> of the episode. But uh, I did want to announce that our industry icon for 2022 has been announced. His name is Dr. Majid Khan. He is the Great Lakes Water Authority Wastewater Operations Director, and he's taking down the honor this year. I made a video essay about him, which you can find on our website. So please take the time to check that out and celebrate him with us. And also stay tuned to our video channels. We have a lot of videos still to come. I was at the One Water Summit earlier in September, and I also was just at WEFTAC. We've got video interviews from both of those events that are still getting processed to go onto our website, so check back frequently. We'll have some, a bunch of content coming your way soon. And for Stormwater Solutions, similar to Bob, please stay tuned to our video channels. Also, I will be publishing some interviews from both StormCon and WEFTEC, so stay tuned for those. And uh, the SWS State of the Industry Survey is also open, and I would greatly appreciate your feedback on how the year went, what your challenges were, and what some of the successes were. You can take the survey at bit.ly slash SWSSOTI22. And with that, don't forget to like, subscribe, share on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can also reach us at talkingunderwater at endeavorb2b.com to share your thoughts. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TUW Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Mm -hmm.